0: Welcome back to This Week in Black History, Society, and Culture, a podcast program of Monmouth University's Black and African Diaspora Forum. I am Dr. David Julius Ford, Jr., your host. Today, on This Week in Black History, Society, and Culture, I am honored and privileged to have two of my brothers, my esteemed colleagues, my fellow foot soldiers in the profession, and in this life, Dr. Rufus Tony Spann and Dr. Don Trahan. Um, Dr. Rufus Tony Spann is a counselor educator and a private practitioner, and um, his work centers around making sure that um, Black men's mental health is prioritized and that there are counselors available that are culturally sensitive enough to properly um, handle those um, concerns. Dr. Don Trehan is the diversity, equity, and inclusion guru. Um, while he does carry the hat of counselor, educator, and counselor, um, his work primarily focuses on um, doing diversity trainings and ensuring that um, those that are in the public do have that knowledge and their cultural sensitivity to, to make sure that all, all persons are included and have equitable access to all resources. So Dr. Span and Dr. Trahan, um, I am honored to have you all with me this morning and um, look forward to our dialogue today. Um, today we're going to be talking about um, experiencing two simultaneous pandemics. One is um, COVID-19 and the other is the racial unrest. And I want to put a pin right there because this racial unrest is not just happening. This racial unrest has always been happening since we were forced to come over here. We were taken captive and brought over here against our will. So this racial unrest has never stopped. Just now we have social media to highlight it. But if you you both will talk to me about your, your work and um and how it ties into how we are experiencing
1: um, these two pandemics. Dr. Spann. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, David, I want to say thank you for that introduction. I was just listening to him. I was like, I wonder if he has all this stuff written down, because it just sounds so good the way he's kind of introducing me. And I'm like, I, you know, David, I was going to say, you've always had my back in so many ways and an accomplice. And, you know, to be here with this moment with you, it, it's it's so dope because I think I know we're going to get some good conversations going. And just to kind of lead into or even lean into what I'd like to say, you know, my my role right now, as I do wear several hats, but I'm always a a counselor at heart and it's always been an identity I've had. Um, So as a counselor educator, I'm very proud to be teaching other counselors. And I've done this for almost a decade now. We're teaching, educating other students. And, you know, each time I've taught each year, I've taught it's always been something going on from. The election four years ago to just other uh, events in our lives but this year 2020 has been a year like no other um it has impacted how i show up in the classrooms how i show up as a practitioner Mm -hmm. how i show up as a supervisor of other practitioners and how i show up on a platform uh, as a as a chief clinical officer for a startup health company as a consultant and mm, I can say that I'm not 100% every time, and I'm okay with that because I realize that not every space I step into, I'm always 100%. But this year, 2020, has really been a drain on me mentally, physically, and uh, even sometimes spiritually.
0: Oh, and I'm glad you brought that piece in there because, you know, a part of this is us really um, being deliberate and intentional about. Our own personal wellness, mm-hmm. and a lot of times as counselors, we neglect that. But having ha- ha- having to hold space as a black man, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm black all day, every day. I'm black as fuck. I would um, say yes, you, you are, are, David. You don't play. Yeah. yeah, and and having to hold that space can be like tiring, angering. Sometimes I get pissed the fuck off at this. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we we, we have to take care of that and have an outlet for that.
1: Yeah. And you're so right. And, you know, to and to be black and what it is to deal with anti-blackness and really coming into the truth of what that is, that worldwide. Right. Because we're not just talking about this. Mm -hmm. We talk about worldwide on having melanin and a black identity. That is the problem. Melanin in parts of Asia. Melanin in parts of Australia, melanin in this nation, that because I am darker or darker hue, I have now the burden to deal with the issues that you can't deal with and how you see me. And so that is something that I wake up every day having to deal with because I recognize that today is the same day as it was yesterday and it will be the same as tomorrow and that there's a fight that I have to walk with. But then how do I navigate all that? Because I am at peace with my blackness. Just as I know, David, you're at peace with your blackness and Don, the same thing. But for those that are not at peace with my blackness, that is the navigating issue. And that's what I'm confronted with at this point every day. Yes. Same different day. Mm -hmm.
0: Dr. Trahan, um, you know,
2: um, how about you? So, Dr. Ford, I want to echo Dr. Spen. Thank you so much for the beautiful introduction And the way that I will answer that is it's a matter of at all times being very clear of when I enter a space, how I'm entering that space. Mm -hmm. And I believe because I have decided to make an adjustment with my career and dedicate my time to being a global diversity practitioner, in addition to a faculty member, it's a unique set of privileges when I walk in a space that many people are threatened by. And mm. to come to terms with, that's their problem, not mine. And I to show up unapologetically me. I don't yes. care about white approval, being able to find value in myself. I find value in me because I value me. Mm. Mm. Difficult for so many people to come to terms with that because we navigate in systems that have reinforced white approval as the standard and or the way in which we navigate Mm -hmm. push against that and realize that that very way of thinking is the reason that we've gotten into the situation that we're in now. It's It's the (laughs) origin of why, or the origin rather, of why we have systems of institutionalized racism, gender inequities, sexuality inequities, Mm -hmm. and obviously all types of barriers that exist for people from marginalized backgrounds. Mm about what just took place this week with the vice presidential debate and while it was historic one has to ask why is it historic in addition to it being a, a woman a black woman or a biracial woman having to navigate intersectionality and in action of being cautious of well i can't show up too much i can't do my head or our eye contact too much I have to watch how i nod my head I have to watch how poised I am because I don't want to come across as the angry black woman or fulfill a stereotype. That's Mm -hmm. a problem. Mm -hmm. So when I enter these spaces and I think about the trauma that comes along with that, of us constantly having to act or put on, I realize I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Or am I willing to do that? I am unapologetically me, yet I am not naive to the fact that those systems and barriers are alive and well. And continue to perpetuate a cycle that we have to dismantle if not you think about elements of racial battle fatigue elevated levels of anxiety elevated levels of death by suicide that we're seeing in Mm -hmm. the community and other communities of color but definitely in the black community Mm -hmm. it raises an awareness and a concern if you will that we have to pay attention to so when i enter these spaces that's where my mind is simultaneously Mm -hmm. and that we have to bring awareness to it, not tiptoe around who's going to be offended or, or care about it because no one is caring about what we are having to navigate simultaneously to exist in this space, let alone to thrive in this space.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, and you both
0: mentioned, you know, these spaces. How are you navigating these spaces that weren't meant for our Black asses in the first place? And then when we show authentically having to deal with the racial battle fatigue of white folks' fragility and then the anti-Blackness that that occurs in academia and other spaces that, like I said, our Black bodies were not meant to hold in the capacity
1: that Mm -hmm. we hold them. You know, it's so beautiful when you said, you know, you're of my mom, as, as you said, your black ass, because, you know, to be honest with you, that would be something she would say, although she is a very spiritual and Christian woman. I would say this, you know, for, for me, I never dealt with the imposter syndrome, you know, and when I hear people say that, I just kind of laugh to myself. And not to say that that's not a real experience for other people. I laugh because I say the opposite. I dealt with the Sophia syndrome. Right. Now I'm coming from Sophia from Color Purple. Right? Say more about that, please. Yeah, let me talk about that because I'm gonna actually dive into that because Sophia would say in the movie of Color Purple, every day of my life I had to fight. Mm. Real deal for me. Right. So I don't know what other experiences for other blacks or for other people or other whatever. That's your world. But my world I've had to fight. I've had to fight because I'm not really light skinned. I've had to fight because I'm not as masculine. I had to fight because I have intelligence. I had to fight because I didn't look like my counterparts. I didn't act like this. I was always tiptoeing the line where I didn't fit into this group exactly. And I didn't fit into that group exactly. And, you know, the thing about that is that every day I had to fight. And that's a real moment for me. Like, I had to fight to get to USC. Like I just didn't enter into that institution by like, can you give me this? Or I didn't feel like somehow I got into there because there was a back door and I had to swing around the back door. And I, I knew I had to fight to get to USC. I knew I had to fight to establish my private practice. I knew I had to fight to graduate from Howard University. None of that stuff was a surprise to me because I earned it. And I earned it probably having to fight a little bit harder than other people because I already knew that, how they people perceive me or what they thought of me or how they may want to use me for whatever reasons was there. So when I get somewhere, I'm not like, Oh, wow. How did I get here? Now it's like, yeah, I had to fight every day. I have to fight and it, and it hurts to know that, but it's the truth. Like my mother and father established that with me a long time ago. Now they didn't say, you know, you have to work harder than your counterparts. They didn't instill this kind of like work yourself to death, but they said, you know, work smarter. Right. Like, think about how you're going to do that. And so it's those skills of having to navigate white systems, skills to navigate institutional systems and skills to navigate within group issues yeah. that I've been able to use to get to these places. So, yes, every day I have to fight in so many ways. That's so complex. That is the nuance. Yeah, it has an impact on me. It has impact mind, body and soul. But at the same time, when I'm finally there and I've arrived, oh, I don't have an imposter syndrome. I know I got here because I worked hard to get here.
2: Amen to that. You know, the the interesting thing about that is that my situation would be slightly different. Mm -hmm. I I, I have found that in addition to navigating and existing in these spaces unapologetically, and like I said, I'll own, it wasn't always like that. I had to learn Mm -hmm navigate in the system. And in all honesty, it really, I, I was always a person who had no problem being a voice for those who were voices. I have always been an entrepreneur mindset, leader mindset, a person not willing to just accept what someone tells me, but very inquisitive in that regard. Mm-hmm. But what I guess where mine is a little different from Dr. Spann is that in addition to dealing with white people, I had to deal with black people as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've never considered myself light complexion. Mm -hmm. Apparently others do consider me that way. And I'll use a very specific example that to this day, I just have not been able to wrap my head around it. And it is the true mentality of crabs in a barrel that is unfortunate, it's already bad enough we have to deal with white people who don't want us as Dr. Ford has already mentioned in these spaces. But when you're dealing with it from your own people and that's why having a foundation with the two of you Mm -hmm. is important because it gives us a brotherhood and security that I know I don't have to put up with that. I can just be, we can laugh, I can send a picture being petty and I know y'all are gonna appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but you are. And I can't do that when in, in every situation. I'll give you a specific example. I remember as success started to come, and, and Dr. Span, I'm so glad you said it that way. It's like, I belong here. Mm-hmm. I belong here. Right. But I had a situation where I was in a space, actually, as I'm thinking about it. Two distinct instances and among many, but I'll mention two, Mm -hmm. which I was literally just getting out of my car and and passing a group of black guys. uh, They said to me, one in particular, and I'll I'll never forget it because I I thought, I wonder what did he gain from that? He said, look at that old house. "Hmm." I thought, "Hmm." surely he's not talking about me because- I don't consider myself that way right. mm. apparently because I, I don't fulfill certain stereotypes that we as black people put on each other that to the listeners, I'm going to say we need to stop that. We right. really need to stop doing that to each other. That was one instance. Another instance was right when I finished my Ph.D., I had a situation that I'll never forget because it opened my eyes in preparation for what to expect. I was 27 when I got my PhD. Mm-hmm. And I had a... Who I deemed as a friend and, and really colleague to tell me because I, I had aspirations to now put this doctorate to use that I was an instant gratification mm. N- mm. Never forget that. The, the f*** you mean? Right. It, be, it became... This sense of almost now, and I'll, I'll be honest, of navigating. Well, do I have to hide the fact that I've worked hard to get where I'm at to, to please both groups? Why can't I just be? And, and it further propelled me to say, you know what? I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if they like it. I'm not trying to please them. I like it. I'm doing it for me. And it further fueled that unapologetically me. But it also is this weight of, man, why can't we be happy for each other? Why can't we support each other? Why can't we uplift each other and really yeah. get forward for each other? Mm-hmm. We have to be this light complexion versus dark complexion. And Jay-Z said it best. At the end of the day, while we're trying to fight each other, we still mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. We really need to them. We really need to get in that space. Yeah. With that. But I, I've carried that with me for quite some time. Uh, Because I didn't come from a background that was disenfranchised. I grew up uh, really well. So it was almost kind of destined that I would navigate a particular way. But that doesn't mean that my walk is any less than anybody else's. But that's the weight, unfortunately, that I've had to carry in this space. And so it makes me, when I am in, in these predominantly white spaces, even more show up because it's like I'm getting it from multiple angles and I ain't even light skinned. (laughs) <laughs> right next podcast i ain't even like right.
1: it. <laughs> that would be a good one right. my colorism.
0: but you know you know dr trey you bring up a really good point about a lot of times when we show up in these spaces you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't mm-hmm. you, know, you, you kind of have to you know um be your authentic self knowing what that may mean for the white folks that don't want you to be there, and then the black folks that don't want you to be there either, mm. and 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 then you know that 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 dual consciousness has to that, that sits in and having to navigate that is tiring as
1: right. it is. It right. is, and and I'm glad that you mentioned that because when we think about the pandemic, right, and and we're talking about the pandemic of the experience and the lived experience of what it is to to be black or black diaspora or be in the United States of America. And for the, the history of our people or history of people that have come here that also identify with the black diaspora, um, we get it from a lot of places. Right. So there's an attack from different spaces and attack with within. And yeah. I, I'm glad that Don's speaking that because, one, we're, we're going to acknowledge the oppressive or the oppressor or the colonizer and all the experiences that come along with that. And then what we're talking about is the richness of dealing with within group and what's happening within our own communities, because we have to heal within, we have to deal with that. Dr. Barbara Sizemore talks about that the best and talking about continuity and moving the, the diaspora and the generations forward and healing within socially, emotionally, and physically to continue to foster more of the community, more offsprings, and having that healthy sense of being. And I'm glad, Don, that uh, you're bringing that in. And and excuse me for saying, Don, Dr. Don Trahan, for bringing that in. And I appreciate that. Um, The other thing that I would say about all of that, if if you will, is in also talking about the experience of everything that's happening now and and how that impacts how I show up. I really and truly can say that subjects that I teach at USC and just experience and the classes that come up, I can truly say that it has been a challenge. And it's been a challenge for me to have these conversations with my students. But I, I'm i happy to have that challenge because it's only way that we're going to try to move through this is we have to be conscious of it, we have to be aware of it, and we have to talk about it. But I can tell you, although I'm meeting the challenge, I can tell for me, mind, body, and soul, there is a lot of pain points that that come along with it.
0: And so you know, and, and 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 I'm glad you brought that up because you know, as academics, and 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 being academics in predominantly white spaces, mm-hmm. you know, having mo- mostly white colleagues, mostly white administrators, mostly white students, and showing up in our black bodies, and showing up in my black queer body, mm. you know, it's 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 rewarding because that's that's my activism, mm. but then. On the other side of that, the difficulty is utilizing my Black body as the teaching tool. Right. And, and how a lot of times if I do that too much, everybody will expect that of me.
1: Right, right.
0: And, and, and so then I, have, I no longer have control over how I show up. Mm-hmm. I don't no have control over um, the way I teach and who I am. But that's my own doing. Okay. And 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 I have to really reconcile that with I want my students to get the real authentic view of, of what they're about to experience when they graduate from Monmouth University. But at, at sometimes I have to realize that I'm doing that at my own expense, at the expense of my own well-being. And I've got to temper that. I do have to temper that. And there are times I don't want to be authentic, and I say, you know what, I'm pissed off. Right. People are up. We're all up right now, and I've done that. Okay. But then I have to say, you know what? I let me stick to the syllabus, okay. and you know, you got to <laughs> incorporate that. And you know, I don't want to veer off from what K. Krep tells, tells us what to teach. But then there comes a point in time where all that stuff that's that's inside of me
1: mm-hmm. out. You can't hold it back. I
0: can't
1: hold it back. Can't hold that back. I can't <laughs> hold that back, man. No. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to speak to this. And I, I know, Don, you 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 can echo some of this as well, because I know you, you're in academia in ways. And so I know for me that I am very self-conscious of that because I already know I've known this for a decade because I've been teaching just about a decade. It's been through all kinds of collegiate spaces. But I will say this. I know when I enter into that room. And I felt this and I could speak to it if it's in brick and mortar, if it's online. I already feel because they see a young black male in front of them. I do not get that same respect, not to say that it's blatant or disrespectful, but just I can feel the energy as if they would see a older white male come in front of them. And that older white male could only probably say two words. It's like the Bible. Now, I got to do probably two hours of giving them rich context, meaningful words, like not slipping. Right. And I, and I feel like it's almost like they're still trying to validate or is that information reliable? And and it's the energy that I get back. And so I feel it and I felt it for a while and I know it's different for other people.
0: And, and, and the research says that
1: mm-hmm. black faculty that perform for the students get better evaluations. Right. And you know what we mean by perform, right? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the part that I don't like is that I feel like I have to perform. So now think about the pandemic and the other pandemic and then being in academia. And then the we, we know about the ratings. We know about the evaluations. We know how people want you to show up or how sometimes we show up as an archetype or a stereotype because we know that, hey, we need the evaluations. We're looking for tenure. Or we're trying to make sure that we're here next year. But then there's a part of myself that says you ain't got that today. But then I'm worried like, okay, what is that evaluation going to look like? Yeah. How are they going to respond to that? And so that isn't, yeah, that's a crushing blow to me. It's an issue and it's a problem that I have to worry about.
2: Yes, yeah. uh, that That's the balance of navigating in that space and, and being able to, as both of you shared, way, it, it's part of the reason as a faculty member, I've always been very clear, but it still doesn't mean we don't navigate the politics right it always been very clear here's what i'm going to do mm-hmm. how i'm going to do it mm-hmm. but you then you run the risk of well how much can i push up against that right when for certain students they don't like that and obviously that can have a massive impact on your stability and and and, and really longevity in academia because of how the barrier it it's the whole process of tenure while i respect having any type of process that evaluates we know that it is disproportionately uh, against us even in terms of a dossier or what has to go into that process or what type of mentorship we get to navigate that you know it's it's another process on the other side you don't just get the degree and now you're go and be another barrier system that exists. And and it is is leveled in a way that disproportionately keeps the professor at white. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we talk about that enough. And it's not to say, Oh, white people are bad. White people are bad, but please understand it was designed like everything else to benefit you. Right. Yeah. And we need to understand that so that when we're getting defensive, and I as I'm thinking about this, Solange knows a song Mad is coming to my mind. Okay. And if you've never heard that song, I recommend to all of those who are listening to listen to the words of that song. There's a line she has that states, I got a lot to be mad about. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> One would think, and I mean, I know the two of you will back me up on this. Mm-hmm. I know I was naive to the fact as well that the PhD. Was the gateway to finally be accepted. Mm.
0: Yeah, I thought that too, and I got my feelings
2: hurt. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's simply not. And in fact, I think unfortunately, it propelled you to have to do even more to prove that we belong in these spaces. Mm-hmm. And two of you will recall, and I, I want to share this with the, the listeners. Because I think it's a, a, a very pivotal point in my career, and I experienced it with the two of you. We were in Canada.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. were
2: asked to yeah. speak on Black Lives Matter yeah. in Montreal, Canada. And I was suited and booted in my son. <laughs> <laughs> and if you all remember, uh-huh. 15 minutes, 10 minutes before, I said, I'm changing. Mm. And I changed my clothes because I realized, I knew that the media was going to be there mm-hmm. and I knew what we were going to be up against. But I said, I'm not going to dress that way. Not knocking anybody who does. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to dress that way. I'm going to dress how I want to dress. Because my intellectual ability is not stifled because I dress a particular way. Right. White standards of black respectability. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the looks, I'll never forget the looks that we got when I got up there, so I decided to announce it. I said, "I'm sure many of you are wondering who I am. Let me make it publicly known." Borrowing from Rick James, Don <laughs> Trahan, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the facial expressions in that room, I remember it was like, "How can he do that?" Right. But it was a moment for me to realize, I'm gonna be me no matter what, and I, I think we we get trained in this space that we have to still act to be respected. And same thing with with student evaluation. We have to tiptoe around, don't piss them off too much because if you do, then they may give you a bad evaluation. Right, back to what I've shared now, when I'm in those spaces, this is what I'm going to do. This is the type of environment I'm going to create. And this is just what's gonna come. If you have me as a member of your faculty, this is what you're going to get. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think by presenting in that way, it, it has definitely allowed me to be more comfortable, mm-hmm. to be authentically me. Yeah, I know There are some students that may not like it, but I think later on they will appreciate, and some may not. But I think some of them will, that he pushed us. He made us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He created a space where not only we learn, but... He made us get out of of what we were accustomed to. And I think we need that. To me, that's that's the uniqueness of working in a college or university setting Mm -hmm. in comparison to other settings. But I say all of that to say, we carry that same weight with us in these spaces. And since it's not many of us in these spaces, Black men, especially Black women, y'all have got it. But Black men, we've got to keep lifting each other up. We've got to understand the fight that we are up against together. It's not a us versus them mm-hmm. mentality, or me, I, me, my, mine. It's we, we need to shift to we, so we can support each other. Right. Uh, if we're if we don't do that, what we're going to continue to see is a disproportionate number of us falling out of of, of what's necessary to get in these programs, right? Completing these programs or getting in and deciding to leave academia because of the politics we we've got to stick together in this everyone Mm right i don't know all of the answers because we're still figuring it out as we go uh but dr spans your your words are echoing in my my ear right now as well we Mm -hmm. gotta continue fighting yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah you know it's funny as i'm thinking you know i was you know thinking to myself and it's a term i use and you know i always try to be a little humorous about stuff in life um I was telling somebody, you know, you ever know Have you ever had a black vortex, you know what a black vortex is. And uh, I was like, that's when you got the right and the wrong person at the same time. And I was gonna say, I, I know black people are very good for that. Like you got the right one or you got the wrong one. And lately I feel like I'm in a black vortex and thinking in my head, like you really got the right one because you don't know. I will walk up and down your back articulately. <laughs> <laughs> and you also got the wrong one to whatever you thought you was about to come against or encounter that I'm not going to be able to counteract. And I don't mean this in a violent way. I don't mean this in an aggressive way. I mean this in a very assertive way. And I think what's happening right now is that you have a black vortex where black people in the black community, black diaspora, particularly African-Americans, right? Because we need to pinpoint that, that we are in a place where you got the right and the wrong ones. We're at a place where we are at the right time and we're pulling together. And I like what Don's saying, the we, because we have to pull together and we are pulling together in in, in certain ways. And we got to continue to do more work. But you also have the wrong one thinking that we're we're the ones that we we can't come as collective, like we, we aren't talking to each other. You got something wrong about that because whatever the variables were, we're, we're fixing them. We're trying to correct them and we could do better, but we're getting there, right? Because I like to talk from a strength-based approach. But when it comes down to me within that collective, you got the right and the wrong one. And I mean that very intentionally, that I am not in that space anymore. When I was younger, I have a different mindset and a different ability. So as Don's talking about in places of academia, academia, it's places of career, places of, of spaces of family and friends. It's just right now, because of everything going on, I am really right there with you got the right and the wrong person at this point.
0: Mm. I hear all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the time has come to, you know, pass the offering plate. <laughs> <laughs> and bring through the
2: fold because y'all preaching to today. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. But, but you know what? I, I I think that if people will receive that, it doesn't mean that we're angry black men. Clear. Mm-hmm. It is that, and, and I love that you got the right and the wrong one. I'm going to be able to question what mm-hmm. I come to this table with. Mm-hmm. Do I belong here? I have a voice at this table, and I'm going to intentionally call you in, mm-hmm. I'm going to call you in so you can understand what we are going to do. Right. I, I'll use a, a very specific example. One of the things that I do love about being a diversity practitioner mm-hmm. is it, it has allowed me to sit down in some spaces that I can really, really look white people in the eye to know what we're not going to do. And I mean that very similar to Dr. Spann. I don't mean that as a, oh, I'm big and bad. I mean it as if you want to do this work and you're committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion, then this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. This is what comes with me. I'm not about lip service. I'm not about creating a system that we're going to have surface level action items so you can have great PR and put something on the website. We're going to make change. Mm-hmm. We're going to disrupt systems right. and we're going to move forward. And if you want another person who's not going to be about that, then you you got the wrong one because mm-hmm. I'm going to let myself be used in that manner. And so I, I can say that very clearly so that when people get me, they already know. He's probably going to say something that's going to make someone angry or make me my blood boil or I, I'm going to itch in the on the edge of my seat because I can't believe he's saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm authentic in that because it's not about the money for me. It's not about the clout for me. It's I'm committed to dismantling these systems that allow my people and other marginalized communities to continue to stay in that setting. Put this into context, everyone. I I really want you to think about this because this is real. As it stands in this country, it will take approximately 238 years to close the racial wealth gap. Mm. And somebody should say, well, why is that still the case? And it forces you, which Dr. Ford, you open with this, it forces you to go back and have to acknowledge the origins of our people in this country. Right. Forward to contemporary society. The fact that Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and the list goes on, murdered, and then you you take a trip down memory lane and you look at Emmett Till and Mm. you see a resemblance and an experience, that's the exact same. So I don't have time to show up in a space to tell you, "Oh, I'm gonna do the kumbaya," D and I know we're gonna change things. Right? It's time. My people have suffered enough, mm. Mm. and it mm. takes people to be willing to call attention to that. Yes. And systemic barriers that exist. Mammoth, you're not exempt, and I, I mm-hmm. and USC is not exempt. Mm-hmm. And we have to acknowledge that. We have to acknowledge that so we can get white fragility. I don't believe in it. I, I, I'm not tiptoeing around what's going to make someone comfortable. I'm going to call it like it is. Call you in because I don't need to call you out. I'm going to call you in so we can work together. And if you're not interested in that, then you got the wrong one. So Dr. Spann, Dr. Ford, I, I love that. I, I think it's spot on. But I think we, we we have a responsibility. And I'll say again, I'm not angry. I'm actually smiling over here. I'm excited. I get all joy with being able to do this. But at the same time, I'm not going to play a game with you to be your token. Your token. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to be your token.
0: Okay. So, you know, while you were talking, man, I I mean, James Baldwin was running all through my. Come on,
2: James
1: Baldwin.
0: You know, first of all, the book, I Am Not Your Negro.
1: I Am Not Your Negro.
0: I Am Not Your Negro. But then, let me tell you how wise that mother was. Yeah. Yes. He said to be a conscious black man in America is to be in a constant state of rage. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, you can call me the angry black man. I'm not going to apologize for my anger because white folks get to express their anger. And, 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 and and it gets, you know, encouraged. Mm -hmm. When I express mine, mine is marginalized Mm -hmm. and, and I'm called an animal. You know, um Donald Trump called um Senator Harris a monster. Mm. A monster. You know, and that was some of the nice things that they were there, they, they were they were saying about her. Right. You know? So I'm like, okay, you you know what? Call me angry, but find out why I'm angry. Cause I'm gonna tell you. And I love what you said, Dr. Trehan, about white fragility. I'm not going to I'm not going to um um succumb to, to your white fragility. Mm-hmm. If if you show up with that fragility stuff,
1: I'm going to turn the nine. <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> And what I had to take a moment just to laugh at that and actually let that sit because I was like, okay, I think I just what I got. Um <laughs> But I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate the candor from both of you because um, we need these kind of spaces. As as we think about having an opportunity to speak the way that we want to speak, be unequivocally Black, be unequivocally intentional about saying, this is what I'm thinking right now in this moment on today. And if you are listening, you are listening on how I feel right now. I will not be arrested by a particular state. I will not be arrested by what you want me to be. And I... I believe everything that we're saying is, is, is settling with minds of um, the audience as well as hopefully opening up the minds of the audience as we talk about white fragility and how that word sometimes can get weaponized in a way that I'm like, OK, well, thank you for putting that out there. But we're going to still keep it real. And so I think the reality is that with all the changes that we have going on today, politically, social political issues down to the social emotional issues, down to the lived experience, down to how I feel in my body right now, Mm -hmm. the complexities weigh on each one of us and they weigh on us differently. But I can say as a collective, as African-Americans, as a collective of a black diaspora, we're tired, exhausted, and we've been tired and we're tired of being tired. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to the black vortex. And I think that should actually be another podcast. So please add that Um, you got the right and the wrong one at the same time.
0: You know what? And you know what? I just, we, we might have to come back to that one. I, I, that, that, that's another
1: podcast, and that would be a good one. Because I not even get to the tip of that iceberg about what I'm really talking about.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Dr. Ford, I, I want to, as I'm thinking, I, I want to make a connection also for your listeners because in addition to the racial wealth gap, uh, 238 years to close that. And we understand the origin you fast forward. In addition to the murders, I, I want to push people to understand this dynamic is not just race related. It also impacts education. Mm-hmm. It impacts economics. It impacts health disparities. And, and it's, it's truly, I, I mentioned this earlier, intersectionality in action. hmm When you look at why COVID-19, this global pandemic, has disproportionately impacted Black people in America, you have to look at, okay, well, what's pushing that? Mm -hmm. Why do we not have adequate health care? Why are we more likely to contract and die from COVID? Why are we less likely? Why are we a statistic In terms of we've been able to to navigate to have PhDs as three black men.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Not the norm. Well, one has to peel back. It's not just our race, it is the system. Mm -hmm. The system that's perpetuated. So I I really want to make sure from a a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective, that the listeners really connect with that. Because I I think in this age, and it's hear me clearly. It's not to dismiss the significance of racial justice because we have a lot of work to do. As I mentioned, we have a lot to be mad about. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that we have to be mad in the work as we're moving forward because I get excited behind it. But we have a lot to be mad about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Recognizing why it exists and what's allowing it to persist. We need to pay attention to that. And I'm going to put a charge out there and really a challenge We have chief diversity officers popping up everywhere. (laughs) My (laughs) challenge to you is to not fall victim to great PR. Mm. So Mm -hmm. to be used so that we can reinforce the same barriers that allow this mess to persist. Mm -hmm. We must, and it doesn't, and let me be clear yet again. You don't have to be a black person because these these chief diversity officers are popping up from all types of backgrounds. Yes, but ma'am. if you wear that title, then you must have the responsibility of dismantling any system that allows marginalization to exist, so that people because overwhelmingly black people are still disenfranchised, but so are Native Americans, so are members of the LGBT community so are certain religious doctrines, so are women. So when you're getting in this space, you need to understand intersectionality in action and dismantle the systems that exist. But for the purpose of our podcast today, I want you to peel back the onion, open the curtain or whatever analogy you need to use for it to sink in your head, that it's more than just race. And elements that are pushing it behind are, as I call it those back room uh, back door room meetings that take place and oh yeah they take place Mm -hmm. that's what has to be dismantled and that's why black people overwhelmingly are disproportionate with COVID-19 gotta pay attention to that everybody we have got to pay attention to it because if we spend too much time over in a corner huddle thinking that we're moving forward And we're not paying attention to everything else that's happening outside of our preview, we're gonna miss an opportunity to further dismantle the system. So I wanna put that out there for food for thought, so that when we're paying attention to this unapologetically blackness, we're also paying attention to how that allows us to navigate and how it positions us to dismantle those systems. So that Dr. Span, Dr. Trahan, Dr. Ford is not this statistic. That, oh, well, they made it, y'all. We need to change that to be the norm. Mm. Right, right. We got a long way to go. Long
0: way to go. Long way to go. And, you know, as you were talking, um, and, and, and as we, you know, we're, we're, we're coming to a, a close of, of this episode of the podcast, you know, I was, you know, so many um, folks came to mind. Like, mm-hmm. I thought about um Dr. William Cross and his racial development model. You know, when we get to that, um, that, that, that final stage where we're able to, you know, work with other marginalized groups and we have to, you know, work to get to that point. You know, I, 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 I hear the voices of people like um, Dr. Samuel H. Johnson, um, Dr. Thomas Parham, you know, Dr. Patricio Arredondo, you know, people like that, you know, that, 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 that have blazed the trails for us. And then fast forward to people like Dr. Kent Butler, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 others that, that that created our multicultural and social justice counseling competency
3: right you know
0: right. and so um i thought about all of them and how they laid the foundation but that's not enough right that's not enough we 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 have to you know be foot soldiers you know and and not everybody is is meant to be on the front end some people are made to be in 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 the background Strategizing, you know, and but then you got to put pressure on the other folks. That's why I say that white allies, straight allies for the queer community are counterproductive to the process Mm. because allies have this premise that just because I'm here, that's enough. And when things get tough, they retreat. Allies have the ability when, when, when. They, their own shit gets challenged, they get defensive and retreat. I want some accomplices, folks that will say, okay, yeah, I fucked that all the way up. And I'm, and you know, and 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 I and I hear you and I'm listening to you. Yeah, that wasn't my intent, but my impact was screwed up. So let me check that, you know, and 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 allow you to check me. And that you know you have the courage to be challenged and the courage to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, you know we need the we need accomplices, accomplices that ask. You know, okay, do you need me to do this? They come with the plan in place, and if, but if I don't need your plan, you sit back and come and come forward when I need you, when I call you. You know, allies call themselves that, and I'm and I question who told you you're an ally.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, David, I always like when you talk about the accomplice and particularly thinking about the, the loss and the honor of John Lewis, as he talks about getting into some good trouble.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. I think it just marries nicely on what that means. Right. And, you know, I've had plenty of people in my life. Um, Dr. Reggio is somebody that likes to get into some good trouble. She's yeah. in school, yeah. into some spaces, yeah. and you know that even if I'm not there, there's somebody that's working through all of those systems through her whiteness through her being a female whatever that that person knows that is in that situation that she's supportive um and and i and i and i echo what you're saying you know i'd rather have an accomplice because i know there's been several accomplices even dr roland has been an accomplice there's some people that have been accomplices that have did some stuff in some spaces that i didn't even know they were working for me
0: yes Yes, I thought about her too because I mean, you know, we've both been benefits of of, of her advocating for us. You know, mm-hmm. um, I got to, you know, and then people like Dr. Stephanie Hall, who was my former department mm-hmm. chair, mm-hmm. and my current department chair, Dr. David Burkholder. You know, I, I really appreciate, you know, the 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 behind the scenes work. Mm-hmm. You know, because we
1: need those kind of folks. And, you know, I'll be that for you, you you guys, and I'll be that for other people. And I know you, David, you've been that, Dr. Ford, you've been that, and Dr. Trahan, I know you've been that as well. You know, just being those people in these spaces and speaking up. And that's where Dr. Trahan is saying, if you're going to be in diversity and and, and equity and inclusion, be that person, you know, Mm -hmm. be in that role. And that's what David, Dr. Ford is also saying, be in that role of academia, be in that role of an advocate, um, and that that's that's where we all can start making differences because at some point we can all be an accomplice and get into some good trouble for somebody yes. else that needs our help yes.
2: oh yes and it won't be easy it's no. not meant to be easy uh-huh. that's the process
0: The process mm-hmm. but the thing is if you're going to advocate for us you know when those darts start to get thrown mhm you stand you lock your arms with me and take darts with me right and you know, if if I get tired of taking darts and I ask you to, you stand in front of me and take darts for me. Mm-hmm. And then when your ass gets tired of taking darts, you go check the mother that's throwing darts. Right. Even though you may lose that relationship with that person because you're in the same peer group, you would go do that. When your friends, family members, intimate partners, siblings, or whomever, or your boss, start saying crazy, bigoted bullshit, mm-hmm. you check them. Out, you know, with it me not being there. You know, Dr. Sean Harper, mm. uh, he, he asked this question. If we were doing a diversity training, what would we what what would he want, what would he, what would we want him to say? And I said, don't be that white ally that, you know, uh, that supports black colleagues in private. When they speak up in a meeting, and you go meet with them afterwards, and say, "I agree with everything you said." Mm, Be that right accomplice that, that speaks up in that's the meeting lot. with them and shows. That, that's what it. Takes. You know.
3: mm Hmm.
2: Man, I really hope I hope the listeners can connect with what you're saying because that that's the action behind what's necessary. Right. Yeah. We we yeah. we really have to do that to make change. And that requires everybody working together to make that type of change. We can't rest in white fragility and, and use that. It's not about feeling guilty. It's about awareness, acknowledge it, that what are we going to do about it? Exactly. That is the mindset. And, and like I said, it's not meant to be easy. If it was easy, then everybody would do it. It's going to be hard. And, and you've already mentioned it, there are going to be some relationships lost. But that's a part of it as well. Part of it. So, you know, in our, in our last couple of minutes, you know, what
0: are some takeaways from this conversation to, you know, the oh. listeners uh, regarding, you know, um, how how can we deal with two pandemics and how can we help others deal with these two pandemics?
1: That's an important question. And I think that is a good takeaway. I think we were ending on a lot of that being an accomplice. Mm. Uh, And I, Dr. Four, I always love that you say that being accomplice. I like marrying it with um, John Lewis uh, and giving honor to his work, some good trouble.
3: Uh Like,
1: you know, our days are just starting, but what this is going to look like, we are now just at the precipice of what is to come. And I think at this point, we all need to be an accomplice for somebody when we think about the intersectionality of who we are. And as Don or Dr. Trahan said, at the intersections of our actions, we will find ourselves being accomplices and speaking up. And that's right. I think that's what it's going to take because that is action and that's putting into action and realizing that as Dr. Ford has said, you may be the shield that is shielding somebody and I may have to be the shield for you. But if we're all putting our shields up and protecting each other and walking through this together as an accomplice where you may not be in that space, but I'm looking out for you and somebody else is doing that for me, we have a better chance of moving forward.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, What I would say is, one, take it serious. Mm. We need to give a voice. To where we are. We really have to give a voice to where we are. We have to acknowledge what's happening. We have to acknowledge that we're not okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Give it a voice. Mm -hmm. And then seek the help that you need to seek. I'm going to advocate for mental health. It's nothing wrong with seeking mental health services. So often, I know the stigma that exists in our community. But I, I, I've given a charge to several colleagues recently, and I'm going to do the same today. I want all of you who are listening to put yourself first so that you can be present for other people. Care yes. is not just some buzzword. It's real.
3: Mm.
2: Take care of yourself. And with COVID, recognize it's not a hoax. This is real. And we, as I've already mentioned, are more at risk from not only contracting, but dying from COVID. So we have to take it serious. But you have to put yourself first and give it a voice. That, that's what I would encourage everyone to do. Give it a voice. Don't feel guilty about it. acknowledging where you are. Don't worry about what somebody else is gonna feel, don't concern yourself with their uncomfort. And when I say there, I mean whoever it is. Put yourself first and recognize that it's okay to not be okay. You've got to put yourself first. I want to leave the listeners with that.
0: Well, Dr. Trehan, Dr. Span, as always. Having these conversations with you, my brothers, my tribe, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. friends, um, it's always a pleasure. And, you know, I, I joke and kid about it, but, you know, I love the way that, you know, alphas and kappas can come together mm-hmm. and, and shake shit up. That's what, we're, that's what we've always been doing. Right. We've always been in the winning circle together. And I, 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 I appreciate the two of you for, you know, holding this space. And, and um, providing us with, you know, your your expertise and your wisdom. Mm. Uh, we got to continue this conversation. And we need have, to have more conversations like this for the public. Because people need to know what goes into holding these spaces as, as Black bodies. Spaces that were not meant for us. Spaces that try to keep us out. And spaces that try to temper who we are when we're there. Mm-hmm. And holding them in a time where we're seeing black bodies being um, murdered and ravaged by a virus that was called a hoax and by um, systemic racism. and And some people say it does not exist, you know. And so experiencing that erasure on both of those fronts mm. is, is, is tiring. But we need to more have have more conversations like this, so people will know that hey, this this is what we're experiencing. So thank you both again. Our, our, you know, Mammoth appreciates you. Um, bad Foo appreciates you,
2: and I appreciate you and I love you. Love you too, and thank you so much for doing this. I thank Mammoth for the platform, and and I just encourage everyone to keep moving forward. But thank you thank you thank you and I, I say
1: that I say the same I love you David I love you Don um, and I love everybody that's listening because I think love is what's going to be able to break this and thank you Mammoth, and uh, thank you all for, for having us together because this was also a healing space for me um, as it was something that I needed right now and anytime I'm with these two great brothers um, I feel empowered I feel solidarity and I feel I feel loved.
2: Let the church say, "Amen, amen, amen, <laughs> amen."